Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why can't you say tires? Vive Clouco. It's the same thing. Just say tires. Where do we pick up from? Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. Luke Anderson, astronaut. A man barely interesting. I also uh, went to a school dance with a girl that watched Titanic, I think, 17 times in the theater. It was a different time back then. Will Darkens, hot air balloon attendant, frightened by technology. There's HBO hot where it's like you watch it and you're like, wow, she's dangerous. I'm into that. We have the capability to build the 33rd best radio show in Portland. On Saturdays, about sports. The Sinner and the Saint will be that show. Better than they were before. Funnier. Sportsier. More Labradoodles. <laughs> On 1080, The Fan. Hey, we made it to Hour 2. If you missed any part of Hour 1, you can go to 1080thefan.com. That's our, um, they call that a website. Web page. Really? I don't know. Go there, find the on-demand button, and you can uh, download the podcast. It's brought to you by our friends at uh, Les Schwab Tires. I'm getting a lot of blowback for my... Uh, yeah, no, you're a jerk. For my story. Yeah, I, I 100% uh, agree with any blowback that is from People that. People are not having this. Yeah. Well, One yeah. texter says at 55305, gout is genetic, aggravated by rich food. Yeah. Check me if I'm wrong, but the three pounds, isn't that pre-cooked whole lobster with shell? Thank you. Et cetera? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, you're a terrible person. I'm just reading the article. It says three pounds of lobster. Again. I can only interpret that three pounds of lobster Uh, went into the guy's belly and the woman's. You're dope. You're dope. I think think it's been proven by that last story. (laughs) Then he got sick. Okay. That was your, that's what you were going for, right? He ate a lot. Then he got sick. <laughs> what an idiot. Yeah. It's terrible. Another text. It's tragic. This, uh, sorry. It's tragic. This disease will discourage him from eating more pounds of buttered lobsters and dying of a heart attack in three years. Your story didn't say anything about butter. It didn't, but the texture added that. Yeah, Which, so, by the way, that guy had to have put butter oh, with his Oh, jeez. Would you calm down about this? Break. Who eats lobster without butter? <laughs> I'm having Leonard six flashbacks, but Bill Cosby is a touchy subject, so we won't go there. 
Anyways, uh, we were talking about the Mariners just a little bit in the good versus evil segment. I just want to give you their schedule coming up in case anybody cares. Uh, so the Mariners right now are the third best record in baseball. They're behind the Red Sox and the Yankees in the American League. The Red Sox are 43 and 21. The Yankees are 41 and 18. So right now it's a half game lead uh, for the Yankees. But the, the most wins in baseball is the Red Sox. And we look at the Mariners schedule. They finish up here with Tampa Bay uh, on Sunday. They're playing a four-game series, and they're in the middle of it right now. Then they have the three-game series with the Angels, four with the Red Sox, three with the Yankees, three with the Red Sox, and then they finish out June with the Orioles uh, and the Royals. So, anyways, all, all I was trying to say is if you're interested at all in seeing if the Mariners are for real, just keep an eye on what happens this month. You don't have to watch every single game, Will. But just keep an eye on what goes on. If they can continue to win series after series like they have been, I think they've I think they've won 15, 14 or 15 uh, series. 16 of their last 20 games. No, no, but just in, oh, in, the series, in yeah. series victories, uh, I think there's something like uh, 14, 3, and 4, something like that, because you can tie an even game series, obviously. Look, I'll start paying attention. When once, I damn well feel like it. Once the oh. Portland Rays get here. Because it ain't going to be the A's. It's going to be the Rays. hey It'll be interesting if that happens. No. Who do you think will give up their team first? Oh, Tampa Bay. Hypothetically. You say Tampa Bay? Yeah. Tampa Bay is uh, not exactly a baseball paradise they hoped it would be when they got the team. Not really. So what is that? Two or three teams in Florida? Uh, Two, right? Two. It's just two. Okay. It seems like too much even for Florida, though. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, I mean, the weather down there gets so hot in the middle of the summer and just going and sitting in there and sweating. You ever been to Florida? Oh, I've been God, to Florida. You get out of the shower and you need another shower. Yeah. Summers are not <laughs> not bearable. They are not bearable. In fact, you could even go as far to say they're unbearable. You know where uh, it's not unbearable in the summer? Where's that? Portland, Oregon. It's, it's true. A great place to play baseball. It is. That's what I think. So, uh, Brian Colangelo. This has been a delightful story for the last couple of weeks with always burner. Loved it. <laughs> burner accounts. And then he resigns from the team. Like uh, it was, uh, didn't resign. He and the Sixers came to a mutual agreement to that part they ways. would separate and part ways. And in his press conference, he goes, yeah, these accounts belong to my wife. <laughs> Which makes it even more awesome. Two questions for you. How much of this was a PR move and trying to save any chance you have getting LeBron on the Sixers side? And what does this do for Brian Colangelo's career in basketball? Well, I'll go ahead and thwart your first statement and say that I don't think it really factors into the LeBron thing because really you could have just fired the guy and chalked it up to, yeah, he was a loose nut. We made a bad hire. Sorry. Hey, why don't you come in this room and we'll call David Griffin together and get him on, get him over here. Um, if they hire David Griffin, then you're saying then that's clearly a move. Uh, well, for LeBron. I, all I'm saying is that I, I think I don't think any th- of this really had affected any decision LeBron would make to go to Philly because to yeah, me, the, the, a, the whole the whole suggestion of David Griffin being hired yes. is a suggestion that, well, LeBron and David Griffin got along really well. If you bring him in, that's a move to get LeBron. But what I'm trying to say is I think this is an isolated incident with Colangelo, and I don't think it really speaks poorly of philadelphia itself i think it's just one guy who was kind of a nutbag and his wife quote unquote was 
doing these things, which is complete BS. I mean, they have to have the strongest well, marriage even, ever. It, well, even if she wasn't the one that was typing the buttons, she sure. didn't get information about player injuries no. and his thoughts on them out of thin air. No. It wasn't, well, she talk, wasn't a great investigative reporter is what you're saying. <laughs> she, she talks in his sleep and eh. she's just sitting there typing away. This is good stuff. People love this. All five of my followers must hear this. And I bought him that shirt. It's a nice shirt. He's defending his wardrobes on that. Great. Yeah, fantastic. All right. So if if you think this has nothing to do with LeBron, I think you're a little crazy, but that's fine. What does it do for his career? Who, Colangelo? Yeah. Would you touch this guy? No, never. He's done. He will never get hired again. Ever. Okay. So in with, the in the NBA. With that being because said, I, I can't say that because Isaiah Thomas still gets hired. And Isaiah Thomas is like the reigning example of if <laughs> and you're you, saying you can, the elder, you can do some pretty crazy stuff and still get hired. Yeah. Like Isaiah Thomas is really like your case study for that. It's <laughs> a fair point. Yeah. It's, I mean, if Art Bryles got hired again, I, I think you, uh, that would even prove it further. But I mean, Art Bryles, the only place he's going to get hired is as a janitor at a high school, I think. Oh, not even that. Cause then he has access to. <laughs> yeah. Fair know. point. Yeah. Is it isn't this kind of insane that Twitter can do this? The power of social media and how I think it's great, man. Do I you think really? it's Oh yeah, the NBA has benefited so much off of Twitter. Um the Washington Post wrote an article, I think it was last week talking about how uh in terms of social media presence, the NBA just destroys all other professional sports leagues because it's this open forum of players, personalities and coaches uh who all talk to each other and you have all these little mini dramas that happen in between that keep people engaged um you know you have this series this final series that even before the first game was played everybody just kind of wrote off as this is going to suck right sure and to pump in a little bit more entertainment you have a president of basketball operations who is operating, who I guess we found out now, again, I'm going to use my air quotes, his wife, is operating <laughs> fake accounts, burner accounts, to make him look better and disparage players that were on his payroll. How much more entertaining can that be? That's awesome. That, that, this league is so intriguing to me. And then after LeBron James loses and gets swept by the Warriors, friggin' Joel Embiid is on Twitter coaxing him to come to the Sixers saying hey you want a new slant trust the process come on over here wow. I love it man it's entertaining it's great yeah to me I just first of all I don't really I I, I can't figure out Twitter all the, the only thing I, well here's <laughs> listen I understand how it works I you get all some that words and a button no but I, I I can't get motivated to to get on Twitter and stay there with any regularity and then there's stories like this where man loses his job because he's an idiot on Twitter. I feel like if I had any interest in it, that's me in X number of days. Where I just go and I put something stupid that I think's funny, or I'd be like, oh, this will get a this will get a rise out of people. And the next thing you know, it's like, hey, we need your keys and your fob, and just you have a good day. Do you have burner accounts? No, I do not. I don't have the energy to do my own account, let alone burner accounts sweet burner accounts sweet burner accounts speaking of burner accounts yes. did you see the list of odds uh no i didn't really follow this what is this all right so there is an online sports book it's called bookmaker.edu and they've officially set odds for the next nba player to be caught with a burner account 
Odds on favorite. Do you want to take a guess? Can I take a guess for the uh, who's got the biggest? Yeah, the, well, the best odds. Or right? best, sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say who's going to get caught with it. Yes, the the next player to be caught. Uh, I would say Kevin Durant, but he's already been caught. So yep. is he not? Yeah, that, that's not. Not on there. Okay. Um, Man. <sighs> mm, Steph Curry. Steph Curry's odds comes in at a hundred to one. So no, he is he's well down the list. Okay. I Lonzo don't know. Ball. <laughs> yeah, man, it's your betting favorite. Uh, Twenty to one. J.R. Smith is at forty to one. Rajon Rondo at sixty to one. Okay, I see Rondo. Uh, Demarcus Cousins, Kyrie Irving, Carmelo Anthony at seventy to one. Now here's where it gets fun. Your own Portland Trailblazers, Damian Lillard at 80 to 1 odds. Shares that with Draymond Green and Kawhi Leonard. That's great. Pretty fantastic. And and your odds, your odds are negative nine thousand for for somebody not getting caught. So, yeah. So the um, idea of this not happening again, those odds are are not uh not great betting odds for that. So five 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 three zero five, which blazer do you want to have burner accounts? My, See, if I was picks, gonna go blazer. Well go ahead. I would go I would go with two guys ahead of Damian Lillard, Ew. and that would be CJ and it would be Myers Leonard. Yeah, Myers Leonard was my first pick. Was it really it's like a CJ CJ based on his behavior and uh Myers Leonard based on his performance. He'd based be he'd be the guy much? going, No, I thought Myers played some good minutes. Yes. Like, never, do you know how hard those burner accounts would be to operate? You'd have to really work hard to try to make him look good. <laughs> he it, would have to. But I think if Myers Leonard did, it'd be very polite. Yes. I I mean, not only did I think his hair looked nice, I, I don't know why you would say those negative things about him, but I thought he played pretty well. Okay, I get it that he missed a point-blank layup, but, you know, I respect your opinion, and I think the other way. I'm sorry. I would like to respectfully uh, disagree with you from not Myers Leonard. At... You know what? I don't think his only talents are good hair and having a dead dog. Did that fall on dead ears? Deaf, deaf ears? Oops, deaf ears. Yeah, well done. Well done. Uh, all right. <laughs> College baseball uh, is in the middle of their tournament to claim I'm a champion. They've also had the uh, Major League Baseball draft. Uh, both stories involve your Oregon State Beavers. Eh. And not all those stories are easy to kind of, I don't know, find peace with. Navigate? Navigate. That's a good word. Yeah. Let's uh, get into the uh, the treacherous waters of the Oregon State Beavers baseball team. We'll do that next. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. KD, UT's butt. Where LeBron at? KD, LeBron, he gonna yam on you. This is the Center and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. That was Will before game four. Before we get into uh, who was not drafted in the Major League Baseball draft, uh, did you see who was drafted? No. Because <clears throat> I don't pay attention to the MLB draft. You probably shouldn't. The, the, the MLB draft is 30 rounds. 30. God. 30 rounds. One of the guys that was drafted was Tommy Wilson. Wondering who Tommy Wilson is. Uh, it's the son of uh, Big Tom Wilson. Does that mean anything to you? No. No? Uh, played uh, 
played Biff Tannen in Back to the Future? No? That's not KD, you cheese butt. Or LeBron at? KD, LeBron, he gonna yam on you. Lil Biff. Lil Biff uh, played for Cal State Fulton, got drafted by the Mets. I, okay. Does nothing for you? That does not one thing to me. You're not a Back to the Future fan? Uh, no. Really? Eh. You too, are there the people that are too young for Back to the Future? Is oh, well, possible? I think Back to the Future is kind of a tricky thing because, um, you know, it, it doesn't hold up well. In is what, that what, bad to say? I I don't know. Say it. Just It doesn't hold up well because for me, when I watch it, it's just really, uh, it looks super 80s-ish. Like I just I feel very 80s when I watch that movie. There was a there was a comment uh, I was reading some article about filmmaking and it was really saying how anytime you watch a movie it tells more about the time that it was made than the time it was made about. And I can see an element of that where you look at it and you go, "All right, well this is clearly 1980s Hollywood." sensationalizing everything and of course you're not going to get all the time periods right but you can do that now it's like how how people put their values into the film they're making no matter what period it's about you can tell when the movie was made i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing sorry uh yeah because it's like top gun is very much an 80s movie but you go back and you can look at it with 80s nostalgia i'm asking if you think you're too young for 80s nostalgia uh i might be i think for me i go back Okay, a huge decade for me with movies. It's It's the 70s, man. Oh, is I wasn't really? even alive, but all the movies of the 70s to me are like masterpieces. All the best ones. Really? Dude, you have The Godfather, Taxi okay. Driver, Deer Hunter, Jaws. You have all these gritty friggin' movies that were Star so Wars? realistic. Well, not that one. What? Star Wars 70s still? Oh, yeah, I guess the I first one was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the original. Yeah, to me, the, the 70s was like some of the best cinema because you had these movies that were just raw. It was, it was raw emotion and raw feeling from a decade of people who were just like, God, this sucks. Are you suggesting that uh, there was not raw emotion in Back to the Future? Is that what you're saying? Wait, Doc, are you telling me? <laughs> is, that your, is that your Michael J. Fox impression? No, whatever. I don't know. I, Back to the Future is okay. It's fine. <laughs> it's entertaining. It's fine. Well, anyways, Biff's son was drafted. Oh, uh, great. <laughs> so uh, yesterday, uh, Oregon State uh, kind of housed uh, Minnesota. Their lineup's awesome. Oregon State's got, what, six guys drafted in the top ten. Yeah, they good, man. Um, but there's kind of a cloud hanging over it because yesterday the starting pitcher was Luke Heimlich. And they're playing against a Minnesota team. And I actually caught a little bit of the game. And I just kind of had it on in the background while I was doing some things around the house. And I heard a statistic that was a little bit surprising to me, but uh, Minnesota was a team with mostly left-handed bats, and this may mean nothing to you not caring about baseball, but mostly I think six of their guys in their lineup are left-handed hitters, and against left-handed pitching went 16-2 and this year, which is remarkable. And then you have Luke Heimlich, who's you know a left-handed pitcher, and he was just dominating them. And yeah. and to, to use that as kind of a perspective to show how good – he is. I mean, he was expected to be a top trend, 10 draft pick last year before all of the the information about his past came out, the pleading guilty to uh, sexual assault or molestation or whatever the actual charge was. And forgive me for not child molestation. Yeah. Forgive me if I don't get it 100% correct. I know it's a delicate subject, but 
before all of that came out, he was expected to be a top 10 draft. And now two years in a row, not drafted in the major league baseball draft. I just kind of wonder what this says about baseball and, and just where we've come in kind of the whole, you know, off field versus on field performance aspect of things. I think more than anything, it showed you where the line was in professional sports. Yeah, I, I can see that a little bit, but I also think it shows where baseball is compared to some of the other sports and not just on this subject, but, but baseball is, is the only professional sport in the U S that really has this minor league infrastructure where you, you don't necessarily, you can bury players, you can bury players. Yeah. And and there's so many different paths to, to having it. Baseball is a global sport. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I was, I think I told you this week, I was like, well, Luke Heimlich should just go to Japan and play and, and, you know, see if he can, you know, shake his, his past a little bit better going somewhere else. There's a professional baseball league in Australia. You have the world baseball classic basketball is getting to that point where there's certainly more options and you're seeing players go and take a different path. It's not necessarily to hide from something from something in their path, but it, it benefits the sports in, in being able to separate talent from, you know, these, these passing discretions and, and, and convictions be, because you don't have to take a risk on these guys. And I think the NFL looking at them, they're not insulated from that. They, they draft guys to play next year to be a part of their team immediately. And, and having the ability to separate from these guys, I think is a, an advantage that baseball has. Uh, what I took away more than anything from this whole story was I think in professional sports with PR hurricanes, you know, these things yeah. where, you know, a news story about you can come out and then your career's done. I think you found the line, which is yeah. sexual assault. And I think uh, you can see across the board that that fits pretty well with a lot of them. Art Bryles, he was somebody yeah. who ignored sexual assault. And, and he now, even tried to go to Canada and yeah, and, and, and they, they shut him down, too. So, yeah, I and guess so I can... you have somebody like Luke Heimlich, who, um, you know, again, this is a you know terrible thing that happened. I get it. He was 15 years old when it happened, but still that's. You're cognizant enough to know what you're doing, I think, at that age. Uh, and he was completely just kind of shut off from the draft for two years straight. But then you go on the, I guess, teetering side of the spectrum, right? Greg Hardy, who just beat the living living death out of a woman, um, you know, was playing for the Dallas Cowboys the next season. Yeah. Um, you had, uh, what's his face, the running back? From, Adrian Peterson. Uh, no, the running back from uh, Cincinnati. Uh, or who is on Cincinnati from Oklahoma. Oh, Joe Mixon. Yeah, Joe Mixon. You had him on tape knocking a woman out cold. He was drafted. Um, yep. Yeah, you have Adrian Peterson beating, child a, abuse, beating yeah. a child. Child yep. abuse. Still got a second chance. I think what it really comes down to is if you jump into that next area of sexual assault, whether it be with a child or just with an adult, I think that's where you're cut off from the leagues. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I... I Listen, in this whole thing, I think it's I think it's a, a good optics uh, for for the Major League Baseball and the fact that teams came out and said that he's not on our draft board and and the guy has as much talent as anybody. How does it make you feel about Oregon State putting their arms around him, keeping him on the team, and and continuing on? I mean, you're an Oregon State grad. I think they want to win. <laughs> I I mean, they want to win. That's what it is. 
That's what don't, sports shows you. Yeah, but doesn't Major League Baseball, t- they want to win too. And if you have a guy that, that, that yeah, is Yeah, but this that's talented. not a sure thing. This yeah. is a sure thing right now for Oregon State. You know, drafting a guy, you never know what can happen. Uh, he might not live up to the expectations or the level of play at that next level. Um, but and there are Oregon there State, are avenues where he can go and still sure. play professional baseball. And this doesn't yeah. mean that he he doesn't have a chance to at some point make a Major League Baseball roster. And, but for and th- Oregon State, man, this is a sure thing. This is somebody who, uh, you know, is at the highest level in his sport right now. Jameis Winston was the same thing. Yeah. Remember, he was getting slapped with sexual harassment uh, charges. He had done that thing where he went in front of the MU and screamed something. I mean, again, it's your willingness to win. And I, it makes me feel bad for my alma mater because I think it is kind of, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, disrespectful to alumni and to the sport itself that you allow somebody who's made this kind of decision in their life that you deem them to be appropriate enough to be the face of your program because that's what Heimlich is now. Yeah. Whether they like it or not, he is kind of the face. People start to look at Oregon State baseball now as kind of a crappy brand. And a lot of people are also saying that uh, Pat Casey is, you know, dodging questions. Yeah. And, you know, trying to keep it focused on baseball when it's like, well, that's pretty hard to do. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. I certainly do, too. It's uh, it's a difficult thing uh, to reconcile with. But at least this week, Major League Baseball sent a clear message. And I think you're right. They, they certainly put a point where this is where we draw the line. Uh, baseball may not have handled the steroids thing uh, nearly as well as the NFL seems to be able to push past it. Every time somebody gets suspended, we just dismiss it almost immediately. But the NFL has had a huge difficult, huge difficulty in figuring out where their moral line is drawn. I think baseball is doing a better job with that. And we'll, we'll see what happens if uh, Luke Heimlich resurfaces somewhere uh, down the line. We'll see how major league baseball responds. Um, let's get to things that are a little bit lighter. If you remember all of the Bulls championships, how do we compare these to the Warriors of today? Did everybody love the Bulls when they were winning? I did. Yeah, but you were a stupid kid. Did everybody? I don't think I did. Let us know. 55305. We'll get to that next. You're listening to The Center and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. So the Warriors win again. Uh, this is three in four years. This is not a three-peat. Three-peats have happened. They're not, uh, you know. the, the dynasty, be- though. I, I guess so. I, I don't have any problem saying that they're a dynasty. And they're, they're listen, the, the Warriors are a great team. I have a hard time rooting for them with the Kevin Durant move over there. And, and you know, it's. it's Wait, with who? Kevin Durant's move. KD, UT's butt. Where LeBron at? Katie, LeBron, he gonna yam on you. He gonna yam on you. Can we just explain that really quick? Sure, go ahead. Fire away. So after, uh, I think it was game three, Katie, Kevin Durant was going back to his hotel room in Cleveland, and a bunch of uh, Cleveland fans uh, waited outside of his hotel room to heckle him, and they said the regular things like, Katie, you suck, blah, blah, blah. Does not turn, does not make any move at all. No, he's fine. He's like, okay, I'm going to ignore this and get to my room. But he did turn around. When this was said to him by a couple fans waiting right outside the front door. KD, UT's butt. Where LeBron at? He tries to charge back. LeBron, he gonna yam on you. Now, TMZ posted this, and they say that those fans said, KD, UT's butt. Which 
They interpret it as the University, University of, of Texas. Yeah, sucks so bad they're at the bottom of the Big 12. So we're supposed to believe that that caused Kevin Durant to turn around and want to charge some fans. Well, really, if you listen to it uh, just <laughs> one more time. KD, UT's butt. Where LeBron at? KD, LeBron, he gonna yam on you. He's definitely saying KD, you cheese butt. It doesn't matter. The whole thing is stupid and fantastic and wonderful. It's and amazing. Great. dude. I freaking love those fans. They're great. Yeah. They already know they're going to get swept and they go, hey, let's go outside his uh, hotel and just heckle him. So and they did a fine job. Listen, they, the cadence was a little <laughs> unique. The whole thing. The, it's a wonderful heckle and, and it delights me. LeBron, and you're oh, putting yeah, a lot. You. You, you put a lot more thought into it than I did. Um, what I did put a lot of thought into was after the Warriors won, I started to look back at the other teams that have been great. And I, growing up and living in Portland, I was never a fan of the the Lakers dynasty with Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. When they had their three-peat, I looked at it with disdain. And, you know, you talk about Luke Heimlich. I mean, Kobe Bryant seemed to get away from his sexual assault charges uh, somewhat unscathed and came back and won a couple more championships as mean Kobe, and I hated him then. So the Lakers dynasty, I think most people will agree, we're fairly unlikable. There may have been some fans out there that like them, but then the the one point of comparison for everything that is greatness in the NBA is the Chicago Bulls of the 1990s. And they had back-to-back, or I'm sorry, they had two separate three-peats. Uh, they won back-to-back-to-back, and then two-year hiatus for Jordan when he went to play baseball. Then they won three more. I do not remember rooting for the Bulls in most of those scenarios. Uh, I, I, I for sure rooted for the Blazers. I remember me and my brothers actually drawing, like, go Blazers signs, even though we weren't going to the games. That's how much we were, you know, in favor of the Blazers, obviously, being from Portland. My dad grew up a Seattle Supersonics fan, so I know I rooted for Gary Payton and Sean Kemp to beat him. And I had the uh, old Charles Barkley versus Godzilla T-shirt and wore that around when he played for the Phoenix Suns. And, and I remember rooting for the Suns against him. I can't support the Utah Jazz. I never have been able to. But by the time they were doing it, I was getting into high school. And a lot of my friends uh, in high school, we had a high Mormon population. A lot of them rooted for the Jazz. I don't remember the Bulls being beloved like they are now when we look back at it and go, Jordan's the greatest, hands down. You can't say anything against him. I don't remember rooting for the Chicago Bulls like people look back and say that they were so great. Jordan had an appeal that was outside of that. I would compare it a little bit to Steph Curry, how he's kind of gets this. Oh, I'd slow, I'd pump your brakes. Listen, Steph Curry for kids right now, there are a million kids that Steph Curry is their favorite player. Have not being basketball fans necessarily. My niece is eight and her favorite player is Steph Curry. So, being in that same age range when Jordan started to come up, I, I don't know. There's there's a certain appeal that doesn't necessarily have to do just with basketball about Steph Curry, and Jordan was that way when he was coming up. But again, even the fact that you just told me to pump my brakes when I make those comparisons, 25 years apart, you look at it and you go, ah, ah. Jordan seems untouchable. I'm just saying is at the time, I don't think he was as beloved as everybody thinks he is now. Jordan was absolutely beloved. Uh, Why? Because he globalized basketball. He was promoted. 
Yes. But he also quit basketball with uh, a fair amount of uh, controversy around that. Yes, and, and that was the biggest story for two years when he didn't play. Well, he did play. He came back a year and a half later. Michael Jordan saved basketball. <laughs> All right. He did. He That's really fine. did. Because in the 1980s, you had even cases where there were games on delay. It yeah, was but ridiculous. They, yeah, but they didn't play it just it wasn't just because of Jordan. I think this is what we've done where you go and you look back on it and go Jordan was infallible. And the further we get away from the Jordan era, there's people like you that how old were you when you won his last championship in 1998, 7. Uh 8 8. And yeah. 97 98 season. Yeah. What was I? I was 10. Okay. So I'm I was I would have been 16-17. I can look I, at I, it. I, I guess I'm just asking for any of our older listeners. Does everybody remember Jordan being beloved like he is now, where we look at it and he can go into a friggin' Haynes commercial with a Hitler mustache and everybody goes, "Ah, it's okay, it's Jordan." By the way, he rocked that Hitler mustache. <laughs> um, no, Michael Jordan. I, you can't compare the likability or anything like that to Steph Curry and Michael Jordan. You, no, you can't because you really we can't, can't fast forward 25 years no, and look back at them. Steph Curry did not globalize a brand. Steph Curry is liked by children. And the reason he's liked by children is because he's about as tall as they are. Well, Steph Curry is, really, is changing the way people play basketball. Steph Curry is changing the way that kids look at how they can pursue their dreams. That's, That's what he's doing. The reason people loved Michael Jordan was because he was plastered on everything in terms of media, products, and commercials. And he made it so that basketball was known as a brand in places like China where they would have never thought to even follow something like that. Steph Curry, to me, is one of the most bland players there are when it comes to content. <laughs> he is, fine. man. I think the reason that kids really like Steph Curry is... Is, and I'm not saying this in a joking term. I'm saying it because they go, hey, I probably could do that even if I am that short. I think I could probably do that. I think they relate to him in that sense. Yeah, I but then I, once you get older and you see how he plays and you notice how, yeah, it's probably pretty easy to do what you do now because you have seven-foot Michael Jordan on your team and you guys could just take rests between games. You realize that the, he's really not that great. The entire campaign is like Mike. Want to be, want to be, want to be, like, be Mike. like Mike. You don't yeah. think kids thought they would grow up and be like Michael Jordan? Of course they did. That was a whole frigging campaign. My niece is eight years old. She does not think she can be Steph Curry. You're, 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 uh, you're, you're thinking kids are dumber than they are now. And kids we're, are dumb. <laughs> well, they were dumb back then, too. And kids like you that wanted to grow up and you thought you were going to be Michael Jordan stuck your tongue out. I thought All I'm saying is started. when I played Jordan versus Bird, I picked Bird. I wanted Charles Barkley to beat him. I wanted the Sonics to beat him. That's racist. Why? <laughs> I'm just, there, there's just an element to it. On the text line, uh, you know, there's, I only remember, let's see, where was, where was the one that I was looking at? Uh, back when we all hated the Bulls, I remember, still can't, still can't stand Phil Jackson, but we knew Jordan was great, but hated that team. That's that's all I'm saying. I th I think sometimes we get caught in up up in it, and we have a lot of millennial voices that are out there talking about this dynasty and making these comparisons. Not just you, but a lot of the writers. There's more media and there's more conversation around sports that is accessible to everybody. Your your reference to Twitter, how Twitter is this great thing and these NBA conversations. I think sometimes we forget to stop and put it in context. And Jordan was not universally beloved. 
He was respected and he won. And 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 I'll be very honest, by the time they, you know, had their second three-peat, I think everybody just sat back and went, man, these guys are awesome. But that was an awesome team. The Bulls were incredible. And one of the things I've always lamented is the fact that they never got to play the Rockets that won back-to-back championships because I wonder how differently those would have turned out compared to what they did to everybody else. P1 Adam in Vancouver would disagree with you. That's fine. And I, He was 17 back in 99, 1998. Yes, MJ was that beloved. He did save basketball. But it, again, beloved by 17-year-olds is different than beloved by 30-year-olds. You and I, you're 30. I'm 36 right now. Mm-hmm. And, and we're watching these guys going, ah, not as good as the kid, the guy I remembered when I was a kid. If you were 17 when he won his last championships, that means you were 10, 9 or 10 when he won his first one. I'm just saying it's. I, I think that we're a little bit off and going, oh, he was the greatest ever. Because the guys that watched Jordan and went, yeah, he's no bird. He's no magic. The Lakers and the Celtics, that was a rivalry. The problem with them is they never had – those voices don't get heard as often. It's just a thought. It's just a question that I'm asking. But I, I I think that the way we look at it as universally beloved, I think when we look at this Warriors team in 25, 30 years, I think we're going to look at them differently than we do no, right not. now. No, we're not. Like, just what I think. No. Your your kids will. How about that? No, they won't. Because right. I'll I'll teach them about what it all, well, how this all. All happens. right, that's it. I I would agree with you that I think they would be beloved in ten to twenty years if Kevin Durant didn't join the team. I really do believe that. Yeah. I think Kevin Durant really will have his career looked back on as kind of inconsequential. I think people. And he's got two take, Finals MVPs and two, four scoring titles. You know the only other guy to do that. The greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan also didn't play for a sub-mediocre team and then saw another Bulls team that broke a regular season record and go, God, this is tough. I'll just join them. Yeah, I get that. He didn't have to because he was on a great team. That's what will always mar. If he didn't join the Pistons. Dude, that will (laughs) always mar Kevin Durant's career. It always will because you'll always go back and you'll go, yeah, dude, but you joined the greatest team of all time. You're not that great. In the finals, you got five minutes of rest during games. Dude, they played like 10 guys for the yes. Warriors versus they played six for the for – the, I, listen, I get it. I'm like just there's saying. footage of you sitting on the bench resting in warm-up gear at the end of halves. <laughs> I, I, I can't – like I can't say that you're really that great because LeBron James is playing every single minute, maybe taking 30 seconds rest at a time. That's the difference. That's why LeBron James is going to be thought of as so incredibly great because he drug a terrible team in the NBA finals. It it will be fascinating to be able to fast forward and see the way we look back at both of these teams. We will take a look into the future. We'll do that next with Crystal Balls. You're listening to The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. You mad at Clyde Drexler for chasing a championship at the end of his career? Mm. Am I mad at Clyde? Yeah. No. Do Do we look back at him and go, how could he? I can't be mad at Clyde. He he joined an NBA champion. They just won. He, he was there for the second one. But do you think that Clyde That's, was as in high esteem as Kevin Durant I, is at this point now? Uh, probably not, but I mean that's that's an all star, a perennial all star, who had been in the the champion with his t- championship with his team just a few years before. Couldn't get it done in Portland, so he jumped ship and went to Houston. Couldn't finish out as a Blazer. I think the difference too is that Clyde Drexler's douchiness wasn't on display. Well, but again, I think I think one of the symptoms of this is is if you took today's social media and dropped it back in 1990, what would we think of all of these guys and the moves that they made? 
versus, you know, having time and perspective to look back not only on the career of Kevin Durant, but the career of LeBron James and Steph Curry when it's all finished. Do you think um, Michael Jordan would have been pretty active in Twitter? I don't know. It would have been interesting. Pippen would have for sure. He would oh, have had burner yeah. accounts like crazy. Oh, yeah. Pip oh, yeah. would have uh, been get, making burner accounts. Yeah. Just, uh, Could I you... don't know, man. I think Pip's better than Jordan. Yeah, exactly. Pippen would have had a burner account for sure. No question. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then Rodman would have been a loose cannon on there. I, again, the, 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 so, the, the social media era that we live in now, it's the, the scrutiny is so high on every move that is made by everybody. And that looking back on things you don't have the real time opinions of people to go off of. So what you do is you go off of nostalgia and you look back on it. And if you're my age or younger, I think you just kind of automatically assume that the bulls were as loved then as they are now. And I just don't think that's the case, but who knows? It's, it's, it's a silly argument. It's one of those unanswerable questions. Here's one question for you that is not unanswerable. Okay. Where does LeBron go? Uh, realistically, God, I mean, if I were to, it's difficult because right now you don't have anything to lead off of because usually you'll find out. No, I know. I just next... figured we'll make the guess now. Yeah. You're, you're stalling. You're you're using you use no, twelve. No, not really. Because... Yes, you did. You use twelve stall tactics in there. It's a hard question. You know, it's difficult. The thing is, we don't have any. Well, but it is because you start seeing moves by other teams and then you get a better idea. Nobody's making a move you can't until guess, LeBron. Right? Well, no, you can because the, if you start seeing the Rockets unload players, then you kind of go, oh, I kind of see what's happening here. If you see the Cavs start to kind of unload some players and then he signs uh, his player option by the 29th, you go, okay, I kind of see what's going to happen. Is there here. a roster in the league that LeBron couldn't take to the finals if he just took this bag of Orlando. <laughs> no way he could take Orlando. They got Evan Fournier. Who's your second best player? Uh, Aaron Gordon? Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Aaron or, Gordon. Um, God, who else? He do Turkaloo. Is he still on there? He anyway, should be. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, it doesn't matter. An assistant, perhaps. So where would you go if you're LeBron? Where, where does LeBron Memphis. go? Make, make it go. now. He goes to Memphis? Yeah, Memphis. That's how ridiculous it is at this point. Like, you can't make a guess. You don't know. <laughs> okay, here, okay. Not, how, about, how about this for a question? Teams have not about, positioned themselves That's yet. fine. How about this question? Do you think LeBron knows where he's going right now? No, I actually don't. Okay. I, think that's, I think you're right. I, I think he's pretty I, – I, I take the family thing pretty seriously. I, I think that he's kind of thinking about, man, I've already cemented my legacy. Maybe I should just spend more time with my family. But the other thing is I think that he has a legacy question wrapped in this as well where you look at it and you go, if I stay, what does that say about my legacy versus going and joining a team like Houston or going and picking up another team and taking them across uh, to, to a championship? So I think legacy, I think family, I think all of that plays in. I think he has no idea right now as well. Best chance he has if he were to join a team is Houston. All right, next week is all baseball. There's no other sports are being played. Hopefully something happens this week. Otherwise, next week's show is going to be pretty dull for you. We'll be back. Uh, everybody have a great week. For now, bye-bye. You'll see it's all a show. Keep them laughing as you go. Just remember. KD, you cheese butt. Where LeBron at? KD, LeBron, he going to yam on you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.